Hey, it's Scott Petra. Welcome to the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. If you're new, welcome. If you listened before, thanks a lot for coming back. I'm here to talk Browns. We're two preseason games in, and we have the finale Sunday night in Atlanta. That means the season opener is two weeks away. I'm joined once again by good buddy Dave Chodowski of the WKYC Morning News. How are you, Dave? Scott, I'm doing well because the weekend is here. And I am ready for some real football. And that's that means what? We're two weeks away. I think two weeks from yesterday, right? We're taping this on Friday morning. Yeah. Is it the, the opener two weeks from yesterday, Tampa Bay and Dallas, right? Yep. Two weeks from yesterday, which is something, you know, because I have not watched a ton of preseason football outside the Browns. You know, part of that is because I'm so busy with the Browns. Part of it is, you know, a lot of a lot of big name guys aren't playing. So it's tough to get a you know, gauge on all the teams across the league. But once we get to Thursday, you know, I'll be locked in with Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays, right? Three days a week yeah. from now on. Um, which Isn't is it weird? Isn't it weird and interesting to see how the different teams are handling it? I think most teams are not really playing their starters, but you, you have the Chiefs and the Patriots and other teams that are, you know, putting their guys out there. It really is interesting. I didn't, I get, and I think it was Joel Batonio the other day we were talking to him and he said, it just shows you in life, there's different ways to accomplish goals. And it doesn't mean one right, one is right. And doesn't mean one is wrong. And if a guy like Andy Reed, who in my opinion is the second best coach in the league behind Bill Belichick, if he's playing his starters, I'm going to say, okay, there's a reason for that. And you can make, I'll buy that argument that it's okay to do, but I agree with the guy, the coaches that aren't playing their starters. And it depends on the situation, right? If you're a young team, you got to play the guys. You got a young quarterback. He needs to play. You need to protect him. You need to get him reps with his starting receiver. So, you know, it's a different situation for each team. But if you focus back on the Browns, I don't think Kevin Stefanski is going to play the guy Sunday in Atlanta. Uh, we're going to get the announcement later today. This, like you said, this is Friday morning. We're going to get the official announcement later today. I'd be stunned if Stefanski said he was going to play his starters. It's just not the vibe of this training camp. It's not the vibe I've gotten from Stefanski for the last three weeks or talking to his players or coordinator Alex Van Pelt on Thursday. And I think the Browns are in a different situation than a lot of teams, right? They got everybody back on offense. They have their whole coaching staff back. They expect to make a deep playoff run. It's a 17-game regular season. The focus is really getting guys to week one as healthy as possible. And, and it's interesting. Even, you know, even if you talk to a coach, I think, on a team that's playing its starters, they would add, what's the number one priority of the preseason? And it would be to not get guys hurt. So yeah. if, that, if that's the number one priority, then the best way to accomplish that is to not play your guys. Well, let me just say this. Last week on the pod, you said that they would not play their starters last week against the Giants, and they did not. And you were you were on the money, and you, you predicted that, and that's what you're going with here this week. And you know what? If you're wrong, you're wrong. But I, I agree <laughs> with you. And I, I guess the bottom line is if you're listening to this Friday night, Saturday morning, and it turns out they play their starters, hey, it is what it is. But all the signs point to them not playing just like last week in your mind. So that, that's yeah. the call you're going with. You know? Yeah, for sure. And, 
you can get obviously you can get the update on brownzone.com as soon as it happens in Twitter. But you know, I, I think one thing that another sign that pointed in this direction for me, Chud, is you know, they lost Steven Carlson, the fourth tight end. Well, so last week against the and that happened in the opener against the Jaguars. In the second game against the Giants, the Browns did not play Austin Hooper, David Njoku, or Harrison Bryant. And Bryant had played in that opener. And the reason is you want to get all three guys to the regular season. If you're that careful about your third tight end, I don't think you're <laughs> risking Baker Mayfield or Jedrick Wills or any of the starters because you'd have to play your starting offensive line if you start if you play Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I just don't think that that follows the pattern that we've seen. Do you feel like with Stefanski and listen, we, we all are bowing down to him because he <laughs> has changed Berea and changed the Browns. But at the same time, I, I'm not at the press conferences like you are, but I was listening the other day to the, the entire thing on the radio and I was listening to you ask a couple questions. Do you ever feel like, and I don't know if this is the right way. Do you ever feel like it's pulling teeth to try to get something out of them? <laughs> yes. All the time. Um, I do think, well, number one, I think that's his goal. And he's too smart to deviate, right? There's some coaches yeah. that you ask the same question eight times and eventually they just cave. He has not <laughs> shown he's not shown any tendency to do that. Um, I think he knows or he feels that less information is better. And as a journalist, I would argue with him on some of those um, principles. Yeah. But it, yeah, so yeah, we go into these things and we want to get information. We want to get good quotes for our stories, right? So there is, there's a give and take there. There's a battle um, and it's frustrating when you don't get the response you're looking for. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad guy. That doesn't probably have any effect on wins or losses, which is what the fans care about. Uh, I do think we've seen a little bit more of his personality in year two. And that could be whether it's year two and that's just naturally coming out or the fact that for most of these interviews were in person, right. And it's easier, I think, to relate to somebody face to face is over zoom. Um, so I think that helps, but you know, just from the, from a frustration standpoint, like some of it, you want information, right. Is Denzel Ward going to practice today? And he doesn't answer. And then you got to wait to go see if he practices, right? Like, I'm not sure the point of not saying that. Um, and then there's the other thing. If you ask about a specific player, you know, I'm writing about player X. So I ask about player X and it's, it's hit or miss, but sometimes the fancy will just go big picture. Like, well, yeah, Jarvis does great, but so does everybody else on our team. Well, that's not helping my story. If he says everybody is, you know, a hard worker. You know, you're looking for specific anecdotes and, um, you know, specific information about a specific player. So, you know, that can be frustrating, but, you know, he's not the worst coach we've had to deal with. I don't think I'd have to go through my head. Um, but, you know, and it's done with a friendly manner. It's not like he's being rude. It's just. Well, he's he's not Bill Belichick, right? Right, and right. I, I think everyone would sign up for Belichick to have Super Bowls, right? So at the end of the day, I don't think, I don't think fans really care, uh, you know, how Stefanski handles his press conferences, but I, just for those that listen, if you ever listen, I, I can already, as you and I have spent a career 
<laughs> listening to these, you can tell his crutches and how he diverts away. It really is uh, amazing. Not amazing, but I, I've already figured him out and, and sure. how he just avoids the questions. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's, you're right. You're right. And that's the natural song and dance of news conferences, right? Yeah. Reporters and subject. Um, but you're right. The fans don't care. I think the only time the fans care at all is if the team's losing and then the yes. coach isn't answering questions and then you feel the tide kind of turn and ding, ding, ding. Right. Right. But yes, yes, yes. We're not there with, <laughs> we're, we're not there with Kevin Stefanski, which is, which is a good thing for everybody. Right. Right. Well, before we dive into what happened in Berea this week, just so what are you looking for on Sunday night, by the way, on Channel 3, WKYC, Sunday Night Football, uh, Browns and Falcons. Got to plug my station there, Scott. Yeah, it's a big time. It's a Sunday night game. Um, you know, part of me, when I say that I don't think they're getting, the starters are going to play, and I really believe that, part of me does wonder, well, it is the primetime national game. Um, is there any pressure to play the big guys? And I, I bet there's a little bit of pressure there on the organization. I just don't think that's going to sway the Browns. Um, but what I, you know, what I'm looking for, it's a lot of the same stuff from the first two games, Judd, except there's such a sharp focus on who's going to make this roster. Right. And this is the last chance. Friday is the last practice. Sunday night in Atlanta is the last chance for these guys on the bubble. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys on the bubble. There just are. Um, not, maybe not a lot, maybe six, eight guys, eight jobs, eight roster spots open. So I'm looking for all those competitions. And then again, I'm looking at the young guys. Does Greg Newsom the second, I want to talk about him a little more. Does Greg Newsom the second start? Well, if he plays, he's going to start. Um, but does he play? Does he take another step toward being ready to be the starter week one? Jeremiah Rusu-Kormoa, the second round draft pick out of Notre Dame. He had a great opener in Jacksonville, right? Eight tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack. And then he didn't have a set, he didn't have a stat in the game against the Giants. I think you need to see more from him because the Browns obviously are counting on him to play and to contribute when we get to the regular season. And you need him to be way more active than he was against the Giants, get off blocks better, make more impact plays. So it's about the roster competition and the young guys, and if we're talking about one, we'll get into the roster a little bit later, but one that jumps to the mind is the kicker situation, right? Cody Parkey went on IR and then reached the settlement. He's not kicking for this team. So Chase McLaughlin is the only kicker on the roster, and the Browns have not committed to him as the guy for the season. And Mike Prefer, the special teams coordinator, said Thursday, this is a huge week for Chase which means Sunday night in Atlanta in a dome, right? So perfect conditions. He's got to make his kicks and he probably needs to make all his kicks to guarantee a roster spot come Tuesday's cuts. And I think the Browns would keep him as opposed to going to the waiver wire or trying to make a trade because he has had a strong camp, but there's no guarantees with Chase McLaughlin. They haven't brought anyone else in yet. Have they? They have not. Um, you know, which I thought they might. I thought you might want another guy to get a look at, you know, on your campus, so to speak, for the last week, but they decided not to. Um, but the guy's young, has not kicked a ton in the league. So I think they want the pressure of this finale and 
Okay, it's your job to win or lose. Now, you know, if, if a guy got caught across the league that they really liked and they've been scouting, maybe they make that switch. I think it's way easier, and Mike Prefer said this, it's way easier to keep a guy that you've been working with for the last, whatever, four months, right, through off-season program, through training camp, through the preseason, because there is a rhythm, a timing with the long snapper and the holder, and that's not something to be um, undervalued. So it, it's just easier to keep McLaughlin, but you have to be confident in it, right? Because it doesn't do you any good to have familiarity if you don't trust the guy to go out and kick a 45-yarder to win the game in Kansas City. So he better make his kick Sunday night to even have a chance to stick around. You had brought up Newsom. Has he clinched the starting job? I think so. I think so, Chud. Now, you know, when you're drafting on the first round, it sets up for that guy to be the starter in most situations. Number 26 pick out of Northwestern. Then he comes in and he's been behind Greedy Williams on the depth chart all at camp, which, you know, Greedy had been here longer. Um, that's the way a lot of coaches do it. You got to make the rookie earn the job. And, and I think Greg Newsom has earned it. I think he's played well in practice. He's making interceptions. He's getting hands on the ball. He's made plays in the preseason. He said his confidence took a huge leap when he had to go one-on-one -on -one against veteran receiver Marvin Jones in that preseason opener in Jacksonville. Did not expect to see him. Turns out he's lining up against a guy that's been in the league nine years, and he held his own and was, quote-unquote, quote, sticky in coverage. Um, said his confidence took a huge jump going into that game against the Giants. Played well again. Uh, so I think it's his job now – Sealing the fact, sealing the deal is Greedy Williams has not practiced this week with a strained groin, which just helps as you're getting closer and closer to the season. But I think regardless of Greedy Williams' injury status, it would be Greg Newsom as a starter in Kansas City. And based on what he's done, because I think he's played that well, and when you talk to teammates and coaches, they can't say enough about his attention to detail and his willingness to take coaching. I think it was John Johnson III, the veteran safety, said, you watch his technique, and it's exactly what the coaches tell him to do. And, you know, when the Browns scout these guys, they're looking for that kind of guy to come in and be coachable, and they go the whole smart, tough, accountable. And I think Newsom really fits that profile. So, yeah, I think it's going to be him and Denzel Ward out there trying to keep up with those big-time, big-time Kansas City receivers. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a task, no doubt about it. Uh, on the opener, was that September twelfth, right? September twelfth, and I'll be there. September, so I'm yeah. going to the, Are you I'm going? going to the open? Yeah, I am. Awesome. Okay, I that that's great to know. So much better when you're there, right? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Can't wait for that. Uh, staying in the backfield, what's the latest on uh, Delpit? Yeah, hasn't practiced since aggravating that hamstring. I want to say a week ago, Wednesday, it was before the Giants got here. Um, you know, he had missed a couple of weeks, comes back, can't make it through two practices without aggravating the hamstring. And it, it's just a setback for him, obviously. Didn't play at all as a rookie with that ruptured Achilles. It's a setback for the defense. Now, maybe he'll be able to get back for week one, you know, or two-plus weeks. Um, you know, if he practices five or six times, will there be – could there be a smaller role for him, a package of plays? Probably, 
you know, if he's got to prove he's healthy. Um, I think you really have to limit what he can do because, you know, he only practiced a handful of practices a year ago as a rookie before getting hurt. I think he's taken less than 20 team reps this year. That's just not a lot of preparation for life in the NFL, right? The speed of regular season in the NFL. Never played in a preseason game. So I thought it was interesting. We talked to coordinator Joe Woods on Thursday. We talked to all three coordinators. It was the first time we talked to them in training camp. And Woods said that he will not be able to run his entire dime package until Delpit is ready to be, is back to normal, right? Ready to go completely up to speed. He said, we're going to rep it. We're going to have a portion of the dime package, but we can't do it without Delpit. And you know, I had some people on Twitter, well, why not? Why not just put somebody else in there? The fact is, if you're going to go three safeties, you have to really like all three safeties. You have to trust all three guys. They have to be playmakers, right? If not, you keep an extra linebacker, right? There has to be a reason to go third safety over second linebacker, and that's the reason they drafted Grant Delpit number 44 is to be one of those guys. That's the reason they signed John Johnson III to a three-year, $33.75 million contract. They traded for Ronnie Harrison to have playmakers in depth at that position, and you just can't put somebody else in. And I think – the, I think Richard LeCount, the third, their six-round rookie out of Georgia, is going to be the fourth safety that they keep. And he's shown up in the preseason. He's had two interceptions. But I just don't think they're ready to use him as part of that nickel package, at least not an extensive nickel package. And that's, that's disappointing for Joe Woods because we know Chud, and we talked about this, last year he wanted to use him. And then Delpit gets hurt. Um, Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo don't quite live up to what the Browns had hoped. So Woods has said he's only, I think he used the dime package 16 times all last season. And when he was coordinator with the Broncos, he would use it 400 times a season. Obviously that's one a game. It's one a game versus what, you know, 20 a game. That's a huge difference. So he's just not going to be able to run the package that he loves as much as he wants to week one. And that's predominantly because Grant Delpit is hurt. Now, you know, it does not, this does not mean we should vilify Grant Delpit. The guy's trying to come back from an Achilles and he strains a hamstring that happens. It just means as we look at this defense and all these new pieces, we're not going to see, I don't think the kind of the, the defense that Joe Woods envisions, we're not going to see it right away. And part of that's injuries to other guys throughout training camp and guys getting to know each other and a lot of new faces. And part of it, and a lot of it, is because Joe Woods needs Grant Delpit to be integrated and healthy and back to full speed. Scott, explain that again. You said third safety as opposed to second linebacker? Yeah. So when teams go passing situations, right, that's mostly when you see sub packages on defense. Where you go four D linemen, all the time. And then it's a matter of how many linebackers and how many defensive backs you have on the field. So the standard is four defensive ends, three linebackers, two corners, two safeties, right? That's your base yep. or three. When you go nickel, you add a corner and you take a linebacker off the field. So it's four defense, four linemen, two linebackers, three corners, two safeties. When you do the dime in the three safety dime, 
you take another linebacker off the field. So it's four linemen, one linebacker, three corners, three safeties. Now you can also go a dime with four corners and two safeties, but Woods wants to run the three safety dime, the heavy dime. And that's one linebacker. Now I, I think the, that linebacker will be Anthony Walker Jr. At some point it will probably be JOK, right? You draft a guy in the second round and trade up to get him. You want him on the field as much as possible. They love his speed, his coverage ability. So whether that's week one or week six, whatever, it's, or year two, at some point, I think that'll be JOK. But so the question is, do you want Grant Delpit on the field versus that second linebacker? And there's a lot of spots where Joe Woods does because he likes the ability to cover tight ends or cover running backs. He just think it, I think he believes it gives you more flexibility than necessarily that second linebacker. And you can, you can rotate your safeties and line one up close to the line of scrimmage and one deep and kind of mess with the quarterback that way. It just gives you more scheme flexibility than your standard nickel with two linebackers. But I think that's how the Browns are going to open the season. It'll be four D linemen. It'll be either Walker and Wilson or Walker and JOK. And then your three corners and two safeties, John Johnson the third and Ronnie Harrison Jr. All right. I hope everyone was paying attention. You'll be tested <laughs> next week. <laughs> Great information. It really is. Uh, JOK, freak injury we're dealing with here? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when you talk about getting him ready for week one, it, it, I almost forgot about that. Yeah. He, he had a weight room accident. Details are sketchy. Kevin Stefanski's not giving out um, any specifics, but he was in the weight room. I'm guessing a weight fell on his forehead. He needed stitches. So the helmet, he can't put the helmet on. And if you can't put a helmet on, he can't practice. So on Tuesday, he just watched practice. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, he worked on the side with the, train, with the athletic training staff, rode the bike, you know, do all the things they do over there. Um, you know, hopefully he'll be back out there today. I'm, I'm really, I'm sure that they want to see him Sunday night, right? So even if he doesn't practice this week, I think you'll see him Sunday night so they can get him the reps. Uh, but that, it's just weird. You know, you never think about that. But then I want to say two years ago, David Njoku had something. I think it was Njoku had something similar, not the weight room accident, but stitches on his head or forehead that prevented the helmet from going on. So he couldn't practice for a while. Um, it's just kind of one of those weird situations. But, yeah, it's, it's tough because, like I said, JOK – it did not play well in that second game against the Giants and needs all the reps he can get. So um, I think if you're counting on him early in the season, you need to get him out there against the Falcons. So he needs to be able to get that helmet on without opening up the stitches and um, prolonging the injury. Yeah. I just hope we're not continuing to talk about stuff with him and, and, and Delpit as well, where they just continue to miss time as the year goes on. Yeah. And you know, part of it is, you know, in, in training camp, the team is more cautious with injuries, right? A guy pulls up with a hamstring. There's no urgency to get him back in practice. There's no urgency to get him ready for a game that weekend. So, you know, I, I think, and you've seen it this week. Anthony Schwartz, the rookie receiver, came back to practice, came back to team drills. Because there's – all of a sudden, that goal line is week one in Kansas City. Okay, what do we have to do to get him ready? Now, you don't put a guy out there if he's injured, right? If there's risk of, 
you know, blowing out the hamstring or whatever the injury is. Um, but if it's just tightness or a tweak, you know, this is a time of year where guys start to fight through that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that's it's the problem with Delpit is all we've seen is him being injured, right? If, if you put these injuries in year six and the guys played his whole career, then it's just a blip. But until you build up that, that history of playing and having snaps and being on the field and fans and media can see you and they know what you can do, then it's tough. Then it feels like, man, this is a guy that we've only known is injured. And I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's certainly, I think, the perception of fans when they just haven't had a chance to see the guy play at all. Good news this week. Tack is back. Yes, yes, that is big. That is big, Chud, because it was such a mystery. It was just personal reason, private reasons, and, you know, that's fine. People have issues off the field, right? People need to take care of themselves, take care of things. But you, when it's something like that and it's a little bit nebulous, you just never know if when a guy is going to come back. So the fact that he was back over the weekend, is back practicing, hopefully gets in some team drills either today or next week, um, he should be ready to go to, to go week one. And I think he steps back into that role is the number three end. And he's out there in pass rush situations. And that's why the Browns signed him. All right. I got four things left for you. So we're going to go four quarters here. All right. <laughs> all right. Here. First quarter, Odell Beckham Jr. Will we see him in the first quarter against the Chiefs? Meaning, Will we see him in that first game? Is he online to be back? Yes. I, I have little doubt about that, Chad. I know Kevin Spansky has not said that. You know, he keeps going day by day, and we're doing what we can. You know, we're just being smart about today. But, you know, I've watched Odell run around for a month now, and I'm not a doctor, but he looks like he's ready to go. And he, he's looked that way for a while. And I think they're just being really cautious, bringing him along slowly making sure Odell feels comfortable with the repaired ACL. Uh, but this week was huge for Odell. He got in seven-on-seven seven reps for the first time Wednesday. He took five more seven-on-seven seven reps Thursday and then added five 11-on-11 11 11 reps. And he's running full speed. He continues to work on the side with Baker. Um, you know, I've treated out a little video just of those two guys working on the side. And I caught, like, the last couple of reps. And there was the, the reaction, you know, the reaction on Twitter is always mixed, right? But part of the reaction is, oh, man, look at those guys working together, which was the point. And that's what Alex Van Pelt, the coordinator, stressed is these reps for these two guys is huge. The work, the reps they're getting on the side by themselves during special teams drills. The other reaction was, oh, my gosh, Odell's not running that hard. And, you know, Baker tells him to run to the end zone and Odell doesn't do it. I, I think – you know, that's how it comes across to some people. And I understand that perception. I do think it's necessary to say it was the last reps of this series. Um, Odell knew he was going to go in seven on sevens right after that. Maybe he was saving himself a little bit. Um, I, I've not gotten any sense during any of this training camp. And obviously Odell's a guy that you train your eyes on no matter what he's doing. He's not dogging it. He's running sprints by himself or sprints might not be the right word he's doing extra conditioning by himself he's taking out those big hula hoops and doing agility drills by himself he's catching passes from baker every chance he gets so 
I think it's great that those two guys are working together. I think they need to build up that chemistry, which obviously was an issue last year. They spent time in the offseason working toward that goal. All that being said, I am completely confident that Odell will be out there week one. I would be almost maybe just as stunned if Odell doesn't play is if the starters do play Sunday night in Atlanta. That's how confident I feel like he'll be ready to go. Now, maybe he doesn't play 85% of the snaps like he would normally is a ramp continue to ramp him up. But I'd be, like I said, I'd be floored if he's not split wide on the first snap of the game. All right. Second quarter. Maybe I should have done downs here. First down, second down. There you down. go. Either one. You can add lib. You can whatever. Add yeah, whatever. We can go second quarter, second down. So uh, we will, of course, talk way more about Odell as the weeks go on. And we've talked a lot about it. That's So we agree on most things typically. I wouldn't say we disagree about this, but we've definitely debated the Odell situation. And I've always said I need to see him prove it to me. And I'm staying in that camp that I need Odell to prove that he and Baker can exist and, and, and blah, blah, blah. Every Browns fan knows what I'm talking about there. Right. So that's one thing that we've really discussed a lot and we continue, will continue. The other thing that we've talked about over the weeks that you and I have kind of debated is the identity of the offense. And you had said you thought they would go to more uh, pass first, run second. My belief is that that will, with Stefanski, the identity will always be the running game. Where do you stand with that now that you have watched uh, training camp, two games, and have talked with the coordinators? Where do you stand on that? I'm glad you brought that up, Chud. Um, I'm, I moved a step toward your camp after talking to Alex Van Pelt yesterday, and I asked him specifically about that, and he said our identity will always be running the ball and play action passing off the run game, but we're going to add new wrinkles, right? That, that's what he said. Um, so I, I guess I think it's probably between our two thoughts. Um, I'm not going to, okay. I'm not going to completely abandon that. They're going to throw the ball more this year. Um, I think you can have an identity is, Hey, this is what we consider ourselves is we're a run team, but we're willing to evolve. We're willing to be flexible, especially depending on the opponent. Um, but I, I do think it's important that, that Van Pelt stressed it like he did. And at least that's the mindset. And that's what they're preaching to the players. So if the play calls in a given week go, quote, unquote, my way, where they come out throwing and then turn to the run, um, I can see that happening. But you're never going to get to a spot where Nick Chubb doesn't touch the ball X number of times. And I think the same from Kareem Hunt. And if that's your base, and it is because Kevin Stefanski tells Stump Mitchell how many times, you know, Nick Chubb's going to get the carries before the game, right? We want him to get whatever, 16 or 17. We want Kareem Hunt to get eight or 10. If, if the head coach is, you know, dictating those numbers, then you're never going to stray from your base package, your base philosophy of running the ball, running the wide scheme, running your play action and your bootlegs off of that scheme. Um, so I, I think you made a good point when we had this discussion a while back, John. Go. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting to watch, no doubt. I mean, you got to be able to pass to win in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, 
I'm glad you, you asked him that. And it's going to be uh, fun to watch, no doubt. Speaking of fun, let's go to third quarter, third down. For the first <laughs> time in maybe his life, Scott Petrak is going to be on the golf course having fun Labor Day weekend because you're not going to have to worry about roster cuts on Labor Day Saturday, right? Because the cuts are different this year. Yeah, they are. They're the final cuts. I mean, we say final, but obviously the rosters continue to be tweaked um, throughout the week and throughout the season. But the cut from 80 to 53 is Tuesday at 4 o'clock. That's a deadline. So I think the Browns will start making cuts Monday. I think they'll finish the cuts Tuesday. You know, can they make a minor trade or two? Yes. Um, waiver claims Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Yes. But the majority of the action will happen Monday and Tuesday. And you're right, Judd. You've been through this plenty of times. The cuts used to be the Saturday, right? The, the preseason would finish that Thursday. Cuts were Saturday. They continued Sunday. And it was Labor Day weekend, like you said. And I can't tell you how many times I've been trying to cook out and had to, you know, get on a conference call. Or, you know, our good buddy Andre Knott got married. And I remember taking a conference call with Tom Heckert from my hotel room at Andre's wedding because that's when cuts were. So this is more convenient from a, um, a sports writer perspective. And, you know, I think from a fan perspective, it gives you a couple of weeks then to settle in with, the final roster because without that fourth preseason game, we have that big lag. We have two whole weeks from Atlanta to Kansas city. Now that those two weeks might drag because everybody's going to be gearing up for week one. Um, but I, from a roster perspective, it's nice. Fans can see the 53 and you know, I, to me, there's a lot of questions still to be answered, right? None of the big questions. We know who the quarterback is. We know who the receivers are all that, or the starters are, but there's some bottom of the roster questions that have not been answered, at least in my estimation, through two games and a month of training camp. All right, last thing, fourth down, fourth quarter. It's been a while since I asked you. I can't remember exactly what you did. I think you went 11 wins, but I'm just going to, right now, give me the Browns record. Stop yeah. that track. I'll give you what I think as well. Uh, has it changed where you at? And it can change before the regular season, but where are you at right now? Yeah. Before I answer that, Chad, I did want to do one more thing on the roster real quick. It just, I didn't want to let this go without it. Uh, I think we're talking about JoJo Natson. Uh, we have big roster questions for the final game. Does JoJo Natson make the team as a returner? I'm leaning toward no, but I think there's a chance he does. If he does make it, does that bump Demetric Felton, the rookie? I don't think so, um, but I don't know if he can rule it out. Is Kaderil Hodge on the roster? Is that sixth receiver? I say yes. Um, what do they do at fullback? Do they keep Andy Janovich or do they go with Johnny Stanton, the fourth, who can play some tight end like he showed last week? Um, do they keep running back Dearness Johnson instead of Felton or plus Felton? Um, what do they do at that fourth and fifth end spots? Do they keep the fifth guy? Like these are the kind of things I think we're going to have to watch Sunday or Sunday night and then Monday, Tuesday, when the cuts come out. Um, I, I just want to get that out there because that's is, – yeah. as a beat writer, that's like my main focus right now is who's going to make this roster. Yeah, no doubt. No, I'm glad you said that. And, and the cool thing about it is we're actually dealing with that as opposed to who's going to get cut and then they got to bring in like five or six more guys. Because how many times yeah. have we seen that where – you, you know, they they were so weak that they needed to bring in guys cut from other teams. 
Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, we saw that over and over. They were churning the bottom 10, 12 guys of the roster. And then the guys that Browns would cut, nobody would sign, right? Um, that's changed. Now people sign. Uh, you know, I think either people will be able, people will want to trade for guys that the Browns are going to cut, um, whether it's a defensive tackle or maybe offensive line, maybe receiver, right? The Browns are going to cut a guy, a team across the league with the need says, hey, we'll give you a conditional, you know, sixth or seventh rounder um, for this player. I think that's possible. Or the Browns just cut guys and they wind up being claimed by other teams and the Browns aren't then able to re-sign them to their own practice squad. So, yeah, it's just another, another example of how far this roster has come over the last few years. There's no doubt about it. So I'm glad I said that. And now just to get back to your question, I have not done my official season prediction yet. That will come. But I'm still thinking 11 and 6. 11 and six, Chud. Um, you know, I think there's a chance for 12 and five. Um, but 11 and six, it seems more comfortable. It seems like I'm not stepping out on a limb there. That probably puts them in contention for the AFC North. I don't know if 11 and six gets it done. Uh, but that's why I'm going to waver. In the next two weeks, when I have to finally come up with a prediction, it's going to be 11 and six or 12 and five. All right. I'm gonna go with ten and seven for now, oh. but I could change. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I yeah, I, I'm not saying I don't think they'll win eleven games. I'm just that that's where I'm going now, and I got two weeks to uh, adjust that. But um, you know, we gotta put something out there right now. Fair enough. I appreciate that. And I got an interesting stat. I got to look a couple things up before we talk about this. We can talk about this next week. Um, teams that break long playoff droughts and then one year and then how they do the next year. And it's not a great stat. Like if you're looking historically, um, it would suggest the Browns would take a step back. Now we can make plenty of arguments why they're different um, than the teams that have had that, you know, that similar whatever dynamic where you break a drought and then what happens the next year, but it's out there and it's not inconceivable that they could take a step back. We've seen it. Uh, you know, the playoff teams in the NFL change from one year to the next. It happens all the time. You know, it's usually like 50% of the teams that make it one year don't the next. So, um, you know, that's why Kevin Stefanski keeps saying last year means nothing. It's all about this year. It's all about the work. We can't focus on going to the Super Bowl. It's about what we do today. So, It'll be interesting, but I am also interested, Chud, to see if you change yours at all or if I change mine. Um, that's really what these next couple of weeks are going to be about is honing in on the final season predictions, um, how far I think the Browns will go in the playoffs. I mean, I've been thinking about it for a long time, but I'm going to have to solidify that over the next couple of weeks. So, Chud, thanks so much for joining me again. I really appreciate the time. We'll do this again next week, and we'll talk those roster cuts what happens. We'll talk about the goal of getting back to the playoffs and just our overall season preview. You know, maybe players we're looking forward to watching, who we think is going to have a breakout. All those things as we have now more time uh, before we get to that week one in Kansas City. So thanks a lot, Chud. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll do this again next week on the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast.